Hi, and welcome to the HeartSeed Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goldstein. We're here to talk to inspiring people about heart-opening, soul-enlivening, body-enhancing practices intended to help us cultivate health and enhance our lives. Oh, the seeds we sow must break open in order to grow, shed their skin, allow light to breathe in, shed their skin. Today we're talking with Hannah Kinderlehrer. Hannah believes with all her heart that we are all whole as we are. She studied dance for 32 years, graduated from Naropa University, and is a certified peacemaker and Hakomi practitioner. She's been a student of Buddhism for 16 years and is a holistic coach who leads teacher trainings, facilitates therapeutic movement classes, and supports chronic illness teaches embodied meditation and rites of passage classes. She works at Strength in Motion Wellness Center, and you can learn more about her work at riseandthrive.care. Hi, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Noah. Glad to be here. So, um, why don't we start with just a little intro from you about who you are Mm -hmm. and what you do mm-hmm. so that everyone can really just, you know, have the context for the rest of this conversation. Thank you. Well, in no particular order, the things I feel like that define my life right now is I'm a holistic coach, which means bringing in mindfulness awareness practices, using my Hakomi training, brain rewiring, and always movement but especially just holding a context of really seeing people as whole as they are and holding that view for them as I do healing work. And so that at the moment has my passion. And then I teach weekly dance classes that are based in mindfulness, but are ecstatic dance. So I'm not teaching anyone how to dance or a certain style of dance. I am holding space for people to find their own dance and be danced um, in the context of community. And I'm a mama of a preteen boy, which is its own path at the moment because I'm engaged in some hardcore letting go Mm. and trust uh, and watching him make his way in the world with a lot less attachment to me as a mama. And so that's a path in and of itself at this moment. Mm. And I'm a chronic illness warrior. I've had Lyme disease probably my whole life based on where I grew up and mold toxins and heavy metal poisoning and chronic migraines and other such sundries and i have a really rich empowered honestly truly joyful life full of community and full of nature and full of joy Mm. and so i basically call myself the luckiest lyme patient alive Mm. and that's i mean i'm just like sitting here Mm. seeing you and feeling that radiating out of you and i mean that's always been my experience in your Mm. uh space just that there's a buoyancy and a brightness Mm. and and a liveliness and so it's a pleasure to get to connect and and Mm. explore all of the things that 
um, that we both do around health and yeah. and supporting people on their journeys. Yeah. So let's start with more about your journey. Mm-hmm. I want to hear um, a little bit more. Chronic Lyme is yeah. is a real thing, and it's affecting more and more people, and mm. mold toxicity, all of those different types of chronic illness. Not to mention autoimmune diseases right. and chronic pain conditions. And yes. so I'm curious, yeah, if you could share just a little bit more about how you found the brightness mm. amidst all the dark. And I know that for mm. even from recent writings that you've offered that, yeah. that there is an embrace of the darkness as well. It's not a, let's push that away. But, and so, yeah, maybe you can share more about that. Mm, thanks. Um, well, this time of year, we're recording this right before the solstice. Um, I love that we get to be in the darkness. Mm. And one of my dancers said this after class one day. She said, the dark is not scary. If I really go and rest in it, it's just dark. And that to me has mm. really stuck with me. I've been really thinking about that, of how much um, I have feared my fear. And Lyme and mold, actually anxiety, depression, fear, those are all literal symptoms, such as inflammation or migraines. And so to work with those in such a compromised way, when my immune system is so compromised, my energy is so compromised, life in general has felt so compromised at certain times in my health journey, to work with those has been a really deep practice. And what is the balance for all of us of being in the darkness and sitting with the symptoms and embracing the reality of the situation in any given moment, knowing that reality changes every given moment, mm-hmm. to not resist, which is the natural inclination. We all I wanted so often to say, no, I'm not up for this. I'm not up for this. I'm not up for this. This headache has to go away or I give up mm-hmm. right after 60 days of a migraine or whatever yeah. the current thing is. And it actually is impermanence that has kept me sane, knowing that can I stay with this in the most surrendered, receptive way possible, knowing it will change versus clamping down on it. So with migraines now, I'd say they come and go a lot. And at the first moment that I can feel it brewing in my head, my inclination, because I am just so very human, is to say, no, God, no, not again. And that's first thought. And the second thought that comes is, huh, that's a reaction that, that may get me somewhere that may not. Uh-huh. What, what would I choose here? What could my response instead of my reaction be? My response is breath. It's softening. It's knowing that I will be okay no matter what trusting that I will be okay no matter what. Would I choose a migraine? Hell no. Can I breathe my way through a migraine? Can I go to the dance class that I have planned and know I will feel better at the end of class no matter what, Mm -hmm. even if it feels like that's a bad idea? Mm -hmm. That has sort of been my whole approach to chronic illness is to feel that initial moment of, no, I'm not up for this. I don't have the resources for this. I don't have the time for this. I don't have whatever it is that I need to survive this. And catching it and slowing it down using my mindful awareness training 
which came from the Dharma, to look at, am I going to react or am I going to respond? And how can I hold the space of the most loving kindness for myself? And how can I use all the resources of my body, such as dance makes me feel better 99.9% of the time, no matter what's going on. Hmm. Um, Even when I broke my back four years ago, I showed up in class two weeks later with my walker and taught. And I left being like, oh yeah, this body. I have a body. It has a broken bone. So I have a body. Mm. And this body brings me joy. And so that's really been my path is watching the reactions, changing them to responses, and then using the tools I have, my breath, my dance, nature, and community. Mm. Like community, community, community. Mm. We can't do it alone. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful. Thank you. I. So what, what I'm hearing, and, and this mirrors and echoes what I've come to see as one of the most important and powerful things for true and comprehensive healing and yeah. also true and comp- like living yeah. is leaning into whatever experience we're experiencing yeah um and and even with the awareness that there's resistance leaning in with the resistance yeah. and into the resistance and acknowledging that it's there and sort of holding in one hand the I don't want to plunge into this while plunging into it. And exactly. Yeah. Um, and what's what's coming up as a question for me is, where for you does that strength, that, that power, that yeah. willingness yeah. to step into it come from? Mm. How do you access that? That's a really beautiful question. Um, it comes from years of devotion to using my body as a resource, to using community mm. as a resource, to being on my knees and saying, I can't do this alone. Mm. I don't even know how to do this. And opening to what comes from there. Being in this place of total surrender has opened up everything for me. When I broke my back and all I could do was lie on my couch and get driven to my twice a week dance class to teach it and get (laughs) driven home again, I understood for the first time that people love me because of who I am, not what I give them. Mm. And I didn't even know I consciously thought that, Mm. right? That was on some subconscious level that I'm a giver. I'm tracking everybody. I am thoughtful. I bring gifts and food to people all the time. Mm -hmm. It's in my nature. And even if I don't do that and I'm not up for that, I am still unconditionally lovable. And that came from being on my knees, Mm. literally, and saying, I have nothing for you. I'm on my couch with a broken back and my feet propped up and an ice pack and painkillers. And here I am. And I was so loved. I was so taken care of. And I entered a state of grace that I've actually never known. Mm. No meditation retreat in all the world got me to this state of grace, this state of flow, when I had to slow down and do nothing. And that um, came after a 60-day migraine. And that came after Lyme disease having brought me to my knees over and over again. So I'd say it's been a process. It certainly has not been a overnight lightning bolt eureka. I'm not sure if I've ever had one of those. Mm -hmm. Everything has come from building, 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 working, 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 
and then opening and opening and opening and surrendering and seeing what's there mm. and being able to recognize who I really am, which is a being that deserves love mm. the same way this being gives love. Yeah. Right. And that has really changed a lot of things. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that that's amazing. I, that remind it reminds me. I, I mm. broke my scapula, mm. and then two years later broke my two bones in my leg and tore a ligament. And just that being in that relatively helpless place of needing, yeah, and and yielding into that reality of I need help. I can't, you know, and and that humbling um and and but and then also receiving as an adult that love and that care and that affection it 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 is in a way a a weird gift to be thrown into that position um it and it certainly taught me a lot about pain and Mm what it means to to go through that process which was important for me as as in the line of work that i do as a healer yeah um you you started by saying that you've you've found this potency within you that allows you to Mm. live with with grace I don't want to say despite of or alongside of yeah. whatever your experience is, whether yeah. it's pain or whether it's comfort, whether yeah. it's joy or whether it's sadness, you, you're, you're with it. Mm-hmm. And, but you said that took years of devotion. Yeah. And I'm curious for someone who's listening, who is realizing that they're just on the beginning of their journey Mm. with a chronic issue Mm. or they don't even have a chronic issue but they're just you know their chronic issue is life because life is chronic life is chronic (laughs) and it's stressful and challenging you know for everybody in in different ways um what would you what would you say what would you say to that person who's Mm. like wait i haven't done years of practice how do i find that spark of strength Mm, that's a beautiful question and i'd actually love to really hear your answer Mm. on this also (laughs) i would say uh get an ally or a mentor or a practitioner who can help you start to develop it i certainly did not do this on my own multiple retreats many 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 meditation retreats taught me to watch my mind taught me to identify with the space not the thoughts and within that anything is possible this by no means leads to me not having anxiety or depression or suffering or sadness or grief. All of those scenes are part of life. All those scenes are part of my life. But the difference is I have the awareness to slow it down a little bit and watch the storyline that wants to take center stage, that mm-hmm. wants to be, I'm in pain, I'm miserable, that's who I am. And to say, I am not those things. Those things are present, right? I am the sky, not the clouds. I am the, in this case, I would say I am the body being totally worthy of love, totally capable of giving love, not this core of anxiety, my solar plexus that has shown up for no reason other than it's a lovely symptom of Lyme Mm -hmm. and mold. Mm -hmm. There's 
I would say we need training to do that. And it doesn't mean you have to go on a meditation retreat. It means do mindfulness practices, listen to Tara Brock podcast. She's got it all. There are so many ways in which we can start training this way. And I would say community and movement practices are key to be in a loving community that holds this with you, can hold you in this, your friends, your family, your pets, your stuffed animals, whatever your community is in any given moment. And then to have people in your life who can help you deepen this practice for yourself and answer your questions when it feels like there's no way out of a situation, we often need somebody else to show us this alternative back route mm-hmm. to a little bit of relief that we might not have noticed. So your acupuncturist, your therapist, your dance teacher, your meditation teacher, your friend that has been on this path longer than you have, take right. them for a walk. It can be really, really simple, but I think community and support is actually necessary. We are not born able to care for ourselves. It's not the nature of the species of being human mm-hmm. we need each other yeah and i mean wow that is all so true when you mm. said that when you were wondering what my answer is the yeah. first thing that popped into my head was people yeah. was others was yes. support from from whether it's a practitioner or yeah. a friend or a family yeah. member or all of the above most likely um, or, you know, even multiple practitioners, um, cause mm. sometimes you can get different things that you need from different yes. people and, and having a team. And, um, that was the first thing that, mm. I mean, we're, that popped into my head. I'm trying to finish my sentences. Um, we're taught from a very young age and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> And um, I certainly remember the moment where I realized um, as a teenager that you don't hit 30 and then you've got it all figured out that actually as you get older, things get probably more complex and challenging and confusing. Yeah. um, And life actually maybe only gets more difficult. Yeah. But hopefully you also alongside that develop the capacities to manage that difficulty and to... To, to face into it and the the a more recent realization and I'm grateful to my teachers for this was around the fact that um, enlightenment isn't escape right I mean if that's the ultimate goal is to become an enlightened being right yeah. so the the perception that I think, I certainly always had was like that means that I'm gonna be I'm gonna transcend it all. Yeah. Nothing be happy will... forever. Exactly. Yeah. Again, and they lived happily ever after. Yeah. That myth penetrating into this other kind of goal post. Mm-hmm. Um, when actually it's more about learning how to embrace it all and be with it all. I mean the way you describe how you live, I mean, that is, that's, that's an enlightened way of living. And, um, when I've heard teachers like Adyashanti talk about what their experience is in, in relationship to, to living in the world, it's not like I don't get angry or I don't get sad or I don't get, it's, I experience all of those things and hold them within me in a way that's, spacious and loving exactly i don't believe in transcending Mm. things 
that feels to me very like spiritual bypassing. Yes. I don't believe in transcending. I believe in more and more choice, more and more freedom. Mm. That's also what Hakomi practice is all about. Um, as a Hakomi practitioner, it's about living life to the fullest, our daily life, not this weird, spiritual, secluded, non-realistic life. It's about living life with choice so that that space between reaction and response grows and grows and grows. And yeah. and so I think both of us yeah. work by helping people actually go deeper into their bodies. 100%. And um, I find that, well, first of all, I'm often surprised how easily people can actually connect with this part of themselves that we're so used to living in our heads and, and being in that spin. When, when there's an invitation and a space and a time to feel into the body into the present experience that it's not actually that hard for people. It's really not. And they gain so much insight and space. It's a total game changer. It's a, yeah. And so, um, that's just a, like the tip of the iceberg yeah. of, of my experiences seeing people yeah. reclaim really their... That's the perfect word yeah, for it. They're, Reclaiming the birthright of embodiment. Mm, which it's such a tool and it's such a resource and it's so powerful. I just, one example, and then I, I really want to hear what some of your experiences have been, but often I find that, you know, with acupuncture, people's bodies will very quickly go into a state of deep relaxation. Mm -hmm. And I asked them, I said, well, how, you know, checking in, like, how are you doing? And they said, well, you know, I feel really relaxed and calm. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, and what, what about your mind? And they're like, oh, no, my mind is still running 100 miles an hour and still can't, can't get it to calm down and settle down. And I say, well, bring your presence and awareness into your body. Feel the heaviness of your body on the table. Feel that softness. Or, and I'll ask them, what, what are the words that you would use to mm. describe this, this relaxation? Yeah. And think of your body as a tuning fork. Okay, And then just invite your mind to fall into resonance with your body. It's mm. not a force. It doesn't, doesn't have to. Just let it know that that's a possibility. And all of a sudden... You know, a minute later, two minutes later, a big deep breath, and you know they they can feel into that stillness in themselves. Wow. And so I'm curious. I mean, I'd say that in the scheme of things, acupuncture is a relatively yin, so slow, still, soft, mm. calm, mm -hmm. quiet practice, mm -hmm. and dance is is like the perfect partner. Yeah. to that because it's an opportunity to be embodied and feel into our body and experience whatever the experience is but in a more young and a more movement oriented live kind of way and so yes. i'd love to hear some of your experiences i mean i know rachel facilitates this kind of work yes she and, does and beautifully and um you know in the last episode we talked about um 
with Melissa Michaels. Mm. We talked all about dance, which just seems yeah. to be a thread for many good reasons. <laughs> the women yeah. in your life. And yeah. Dance. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so can you share a little bit about just for people who are less familiar and Yeah, and for all of you who can't see me, when Noah started talking, my eyes just started tearing up because it was it's my heart language that mm-hmm. you're speaking when you talk about inviting your clients into embodiment and to seeing that if we not it's it's beyond dropping into the body it's trusting that experience then that sort of quiets mind and it's magic mm. it's actually magic it is. <sighs> and it's our birthright and it's available and that's magic and so both in my dance work and in my coaching work i always start with mindfulness of body with an arriving in the space with a drop in of everything that it took us to get there because traffic is stressful and driving is stressful and catching the right bus is stressful and sometimes biking can be exhausting and we finally arrive but then we have to really arrive our bodies might have arrived but we might not have arrived in our bodies Mm -hmm. so I always do a body scan before my dance classes or some embodiment dropping into the earth real earth surrendering a super guided by sensation earth surrender and I do the same with my coaching clients always a mindfulness practice to fully arrive so we always start with the yin always and I feel like if we start with the yang we can hurt ourselves Mm -hmm. actually because then we're not listening deeply so I feel like if we don't start with the yin then we're in a place of maybe mindless movement which isn't that interesting to me I want to have all of our movements be body wisdom led. So that's why I always start with a meditation and then we follow, 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 follow. And it's the musculature of our bodies and the bones of our bodies following the wisdom that comes from being present. Self-existing wisdom. We don't have to create it. We don't have to cultivate it. We don't have to work at it. We don't have to read books on it. It's there. It's there. It's in the blood. It's in the DNA. It's in the marrow. It's in the energy systems in the body. It's there. So when we follow what happens after dropping in deeply, then the dance is a freaking pure joy. It's, it's this magical marriage of music. And I start really slow and ambient spacious and work up to a climax of drums. So it's, it's a real gradual build. And we are gradually coming in from this super deep, dark inner space of the meditation into gentle movement, into maybe a little bit of awareness of each other. And then we have some dances together. We have some dances apart. Everything is invitation only. But the deepest invitation is to follow our body's wisdom. And I call it out constantly in the dance. Are you aware of what you're doing? Are your legs leading or is your brain? If your mind is on overload, can you let those thoughts trickle down, down, down into your feet, into the earth? Where's gravity right now? If you feel like you're curious about what you're going to do next or you're not sure what you're going to do next, that's the perfect place to be. Find out when you get there. Your body will take you there. And then after a really big kind of ecstatic, cathartic, higher energy song, I'll often turn off the music and just say, now feel now receive what's happening don't let this moment slip by and go right on to the next thing because that's what we do in this western culture we're like one thing one thing one thing and when do we receive and integrate the nourishment of that thing Mm. before we move on to the next thing then it's like it never happened Mm -hmm. and it's so easy to have this big joyful cathartic dance and then crash 
and I'm not about that. I'm about nourishment. And so I'll have these pauses in the middle of class where we just put our hands on our body and breathe and receive what we just did. Move on to the next song. Mm-hmm. And I have people of all ages. I have people in their 80s in my dance class and I have people in their 20s in my dance class. So everything can be done at every level. There's wow. no high, shaky frequency freak out that has to happen. Right. right. Everything is everybody's to do. And then at the end of class, you know, it's an arc. So we come up and we slowly come down. And at the end, there is another integration piece where we're hands are on the body. We're breathing. Even before we stretch, before we do our community share, where we get to be witnessed in what we just had and witness each other. Even before that, there's either some gentle qigong, some deep breathing, some super grounding, hands on our kidneys, hands on our adrenal glands circling the nourishment back in because if we leave having left it all on the dance floor what do we have to give Mm -hmm. how are we gonna have the rest of our day not only for ourselves but for everybody we meet we need to leave completely replenished by what we do Mm -hmm. and I feel that way in my coaching sessions as well if there's a big release and a big cry or a big aha or something that's yay and it needs that energy needs to be cycled back in and integrated Mm -hmm. before we leave the room Otherwise, I'm not interested in the big dump mm-hmm. without the replenishment. Hannah, I'm mm. just, I'm noticing mm. what I'm receiving right now from you, both in terms of what you're sharing with your words mm. and what you're sharing with your energy. It feels like such a gift. Wow. I really hope that our listeners are able to feel it, able to notice mm. what's what there's I'm there's a sense of of aliveness and of potential and 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 vibrancy mm. in in the space and I believe these things can be transmuted electronically over space and time and um and so just on that note of receiving yeah. like let's just all receive this and let it wiggle its way into us and mm. you know so at mm. the at the end of this conversation yeah. at the end of listening to it at the end of because whoever's listening to this is a part of it even though it's like having yeah. the future no it's, it's all of us yeah and yeah. so hopefully there's not just a moving on from it you know there's a integrating it and a you yeah. know coming back to it and a bringing it with them and sharing uh. it and because that's also you know going back to the tuning fork metaphor yeah. analogy idea we are all resonant beings that both transmit and receive resonance from each other mm. you know the, the the western scientific world talks about mirror neurons exactly. and our ability to actually feel what other people are feeling exactly. and from an energy perspective there's there's a yeah, I mean, you, you, somebody who's really happy walks into the room and they're radiating joy. You see it and you want to be next to it and yes. you feel it. Unless you're in a place where that's not the kind of energy you want to be around, which is fine. But like th- there's and we all kind of notice that, you know, we're all carrying whatever energy we're carrying. And yeah. it's OK. There's nothing wrong or yeah. right, better or worse about any energy. But we're transmitting it and we're also receiving it. And so just being aware of that mm. and mm. um and so yeah that was sort of a tangent but i just you know was feeling so um grateful for for what you were sharing there and and okay. the description of of what you do it's really 
Uh, and I always, I always end my sessions reminding people, this is this is your body's done this i mean i think one of the beautiful things about acupuncture um is that it's just reminding the body how to get where it needs to go and that the body has always known that yes and might have forgotten in some little ways right yeah you know to me it's like theoretically yeah you could lay down on your bed and like meditate yourself into the same experience into the pain relief into the digestion fixing into the hormonal balance and okay so we're not all able to do that but that's kind of like the body does it and so um yeah so how to like take that and practice it and work with it and I think that one of the mistakes I have made is well there's so many mistakes (laughs) I have made one of um, the ones I'm aware of at this moment in my life is that I did think, and I thought this on a very subconscious level, and I didn't realize it until I read in a book, a mm. novel, that a character thought this. And I was like, oh, I think this, and I didn't even know. That I would do these things and then get to this place, and then I would just be in this great place, and I, I, I read this book all night on the plane ride when I flew to Italy to do a semester abroad in college, and I was mm. so anxious. I did not know a soul mm. that was going to be doing this program. I did not know a soul in Italy. I spoke very pidgin Italian, and I went, and I was so anxious, and I read this book, and it, in it, the character realizes that he thought after he did this thing, he would be this person, mm. but he was still him. And I realized, oh, I thought I was going to be that girl who went to Italy and then I was going to be cool and international and <laughs> confident and not be anxious. And I didn't even get that I thought that. And this was, I think, literally half my life ago. And so for half my life now, I've been realizing that, first of all, no matter where I go, there I am. But that's not even the point, that we don't ever get to the state and then it's done. And that that doesn't exist. And it's these little daily things of lying down and let our body reattune to itself, mm-hmm. of seeing practitioners that help our bodies remember that they have always been whole and know how to be whole and know how to do it. It's it's a daily thing of being alive. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no end game here. There's no result. Mm-hmm. It's all path. And a big part of me wants that not to be true. I wants to be like, when am I going to be done? And the wise part of me knows that's just never going to be the case. It's all path, but the path changes in its quality of struggle. And I think you and I are in a place now of just seeing some glimpses of fruition Mm -hmm. of having been on this path for Mm -hmm. so long and glimpses of fruition in the people we work with. Not that it's the end, but that look at where they are in their life now and how much more choice they have, how much more health and Mm well-being, how much more rest in their system, how much more nourishment they can take in and assimilate. That it's the work is never over, Mm -hmm. but we're also not a self-help fix-it project right we're just in this like deepening 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 and better quality of life i think yeah yeah would Uh, you agree i would i mean well i have to ask first what what the book was if you remember oh god i don't even know it was just Uh, a novel i can tell you it was by the woman who wrote girl interrupted which every other woman i know in in their 40s like me read voraciously as Uh a teenager and so I want to say her name was Susanna Kay, and it was okay. a novel she wrote. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't even 
begin to say how much you know what you just spoke to resonates mm. on so many levels i think i imagine for everyone yeah because again that's like the unspoken myth of of, of our culture oh you, you you know you go finish high school you're gonna go to college and then you know it's all gonna be great or you're gonna get married and then it's a, and then oh, you're gonna have a kid and then, yeah it's yeah. just um and and i've i've caught myself i've been in in um sessions with with you know my acupuncturist my mentor mm. and i like I, I should be done right i should be done like right. why do i still why am i still and yes. it's like no okay well it's not the same exactly it's not the same and exactly. it, there is there is a growth and one of the trickiest things and i i i, I don't uh, warn is maybe not the right word but i i like to name mm. that what happens is that we do grow yeah. And we do get stronger yeah. and increase our capacity. Yeah. And then we take on more. <laughs> totally. Or or if we don't do it intentionally, life the serves it to it. us. Yeah. So then it feels like we're in the same place. <laughs> but it's not the same place. It's not the same place. And um, yeah, and there's ebbs and there's flows and there's ease and, and then there's difficulty again. And um and just going back to the beginning of the conversation, once we're able to lean, accept mm. and lean into it, mm. uh, once we can find that place within us that is absolutely powerful and mm. it's that place that our parents, and grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents mm. all had to survive to move through this crazy yeah. world yeah. and i mean if you go if you think about what the world was like a thousand years ago two thousand years ago and you think wait a second that survival impulse that yearning for life and to be alive that's is flowing through mm. my being through my blood mm. it's it's kind of amazing it's utterly amazing and the phrase that always hits me is life wants to live mm. when i was helping a friend pass two years ago and it had been days since food and water and yet there she was in this beautiful state, but at the end, but why not the end? And that was out of her mouth. Why am I still alive? I don't know. And there was a great amount of peace. It was a beautiful, beautiful space to be in with her. But that phrase came to me then. It comes to me all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when my body has crazy hardship or I watch other people with so much hardship, life wants to live, period. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of... Uh the Jeff Goldblum character in Jurassic Park, Life Will Find a Way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Life Will yeah. Find a Way. Life Will Find a Way. It's that like daisy through the concrete, right? Yes. Actually, in college, mm. um, which was not all butterflies and roses for me, um, I, I, there was my senior year as an RA, and out of my window, I saw there was this a sapling growing out of the roof of the building next door and I just 
it was such a source of inspiration for me. It was like, wow, if yeah. this tree, yeah. and it was like a tree, but a small tree, but like can figure out a way to, to live. And, you know, I probably should have told someone in the facilities department that it would eventually destroy the building. Right. But, you know, I was younger then, didn't think about that part. Um, yeah, I was just like, whoa, whoa. We are amazing. Like as humans, we are freaking miracles. And I feel like holding that space for people the way you do in your practice, the way I aim to in my practice, it's kind of everything. It's just reflecting. It's so simple, right? This is like Shambhala Dharma 101. If we can reflect people's basic goodness back to them, mm. we start to see that amazing quality in ourselves of the lineage. Mm of life moving through us, the will not just to survive, but to thrive. At, at some point in history, it became about more than surviving. It became about thriving. Mm-hmm. I think we might have forgotten that a little bit yeah. in a general cultural context. I mean, not so much here in Boulder, but <laughs> there, there is that. And we forget, and, and I really feel like saying this, especially to all the people who are really suffering who might be listening to this, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, mental, on whatever level, is that having someone hold space for you that can reflect back your goodness is kind of everything, and that's why we're interdependent as humans. It's why we can't be dependent on our own. That feels so important as a way of saying if something's if something's really wrong and it is hard to think about tomorrow as an option be with people who can reflect that back to you whether it's your practitioner your community your friends i'm just aware deeply of young people especially how much suffering there is these days mm-hmm. for young people and not to make this whole conversation super heavy but to say here's the richness of the darkness can you be in your darkness exploring what's happening and have someone reflect back your light at the same time right that's everything and that's everything about this time of year something i've been focusing on in my dance classes right now and in my life is the gifts of the darkness that in the night sky the planets and the comets and the stars are like jewels right they're like if you can wait for that quiet time of night when the street lights are off and you can really see or go out to the country where there's space you really see the magic of the darkness Mm -hmm. and that that's actually in us it's in our body beings the magic of the darkness that right back to where we started it's not just scary it's just dark and if we can look so carefully we can see so much more it's like when our eyes adjust all of a sudden there's all these stars and guess what they've already been there Mm -hmm. our eyes just adjusted because we took the time and space but that darkness has to be held with the context of the light, the context of our basic goodness, of our of the safety mm-hmm. and the resources we have. And so how do we cultivate both as a culture? I don't know. I sure aim to do it in my practice, and I know you sure are doing it too. But that is such fertile ground to me. Mm. <sighs> I just want to give that some space to integrate, to settle in. Yeah. 
quiet, especially on a podcast, can feel uncomfortable. Mm. And it's almost like the audio quality of darkness, right? The lack of sound is like the lack of light. So I don't want to lose anyone who is listening. (laughs) But thanks for taking a breath with us. Yeah. Um, So there's two places that my mind is going. Mm. I want to honor them both. And I also want to honor the time. The first one is, have you ever been in a place where you would not be able to receive, to hear the messages that were, I, I'm, I'm think I know that I have been in a bitter, cynical, shut down, closed hearted space where listening to us talk, would just piss me off. Oh yeah. And I would just be disgusted. Oh yeah. And grossed out. This is like a super puke in your mouth conversation. If this is not where you're at. Right. Yeah, and right. I want to, and maybe it's too late, maybe we've lost <laughs> all of the people in that place, but I just want to honor that and acknowledge that mm-hmm. and like, and mm-hmm. like name that I've been there and that, yeah, yeah you've been there and oh, that, yeah. like I, I, and, and yeah, you, I don't even know why, you know, you are still listening if, if, if that's where you're at, but I just, I want to acknowledge that that's a place. And that that we, is a place. And that, that is a real place. W- w- I don't even know what to say to that place to right now, other than it's okay, it's allowed. Mm. And mm. something that I wish someone had said to me mm. in that place that would have worked for me is, "You're not alone." Mm. You're not alone. We may feel alone. We may feel the most alone ever. I know too many people who feel so alone, like there's no one there. And when we investigate together, say I'm in a therapeutic context working with someone in my coaching and they just feel the most lonely, the most alone. And when we go through their life, they there's always people that they haven't thought they could reach out to mm-hmm. and then when they have they've been delightfully surprised there's always resources and it's so damn hard to reach out and get them but that's the answer is people to be in it with you not people to talk you out of it not people to convince you it's not true people to sit in the dark with you and say I'll just be here until you're ready to see your own spark of light that's in the center of this darkness mm-hmm. That, to me, is what saved me at the moment when, in high school, I, my parents got the call that Hannah's got a razor blade in her dorm room and she's thinking of using it, right? Was I needed people to say, I'll just sit here with you in the dark. And I, I did. I mean, I've had my nights where I've scrolled through my phone and I've said, I can't bug them. I had, they haven't... I, I, I don't want to lay this on that person. Yeah. Oh, it's been too long with this person. Yeah. Knowing in my intellect that these people love me and would love to hear from me anything. Yeah, exactly. And I've, you know, crumble onto the floor, 
and cry. Yeah. And um, I think knowing, even if I wasn't feeling the love and the connection, I knowing that I wasn't alone intellectually was enough yeah. to pull me through those those moments. To get moments. through that night. And, um, but I just, I mean, we've been so happy and bright and bubbly, <laughs> I, it, but it, this is, you know, um, it's a real thing too. And I think it's so important for everyone to, I mean, going back, like we're talking about darkness, we're talking about like, this is real and, and it can feel scary and it can be scary and it can also be okay. It really can. And it can be beautiful. Yeah. It can be beautiful and opening and tenderizing and ego collapsing and heart shattering. It can be all those things. Mm-hmm. But it can also suck. Mm-hmm. And we're human, so we get to have both. Mm. And we always will mm. have both. Mm. So on this thread, yeah. the other thing that felt really important to me to kind of name or or and and explore briefly um is community Mm. because you've mentioned this a lot as a resource as a beautiful thing yeah and um i know that i feel super grateful to have community in my life and um I know that you feel that way. And I also know that so many people feel like they don't have community or even uh, enough real friends. And they don't know how to create or find or connect with that. And I think that it it's not an effortless process no way um it's not a given it right and so i'm curious what um yeah what you can share about like that process yeah being an extrovert Mm -hmm. it's been relatively easy for me and Mm -hmm. the harder work has been about trusting that I was lovable as I am. Mm -hmm. And so having had some terrifying experiences that showed me that Mm -hmm. for, you know, luckily for me, when I have clients who feel really alone and also feel really shy and really withdrawn and why would anybody want to be in my community? There's a lot of things I do. I lead women's circles and I'll often invite them in and let them know I'll be there sit next to me I'll be there and I know you and I see you and I want you there I will often send people to my chronic illness support group which is also for chronic pain which is actually just about nourishment so anyone can Mm -hmm. come the whole group's about nourishment and about seeing and being seen in our wholeness no matter what's going on and then I have a lot of clients I see via Skype or Zoom who aren't local to me and I can't sort of, you know, grandmother them into my community. I will go through the list of meetup groups and find the right one 
a book discussion, a garden walk. There's so many uh, gentle hikes or a walking group mm -hmm. who, for people who need to walk maybe on pavement for balance. There are so many, so many, so many ways. And often we do need somebody to help us get there. And I'll go to the first meetup group with them. We have to help each other find it. And mm -hmm. if you are someone who wants it, it doesn't have to be a big community. You want two intimate friends, right? Right. Um, find somebody who can help you enter a community you might like to be part mm -hmm. of, or find if you have one friend, can they introduce you to their one friend? Now you have two friends, right? Now you have three friends. Right. Um, I think book groups are a great way to start. Honestly, I think meetup is an amazing modern day tool, mm. sort of like dating online, but for friends, mm. I think, but it's around a common interest. Mm -hmm. So you can show up as you are. I think that's a great tool. And there's one in the back of my mind and I'm like, there is a phone call group, I believe called loving. Wow. And you literally can call and get and give love to other people on the phone and tell them what's going on with you. Cool. Especially for chronic illness, people who leaving the house is like a major schlep. Uh-huh. It's a phone call group. That's great. And you're just connected to other humans. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. And I, and I do think like it, it does, it takes that initial step. It does. It's an it, effort. And it also takes follow up and mm. and and reaching i i know especially as a man mm. there's a lot less um men tend to isolate themselves 100 percent. and um and that i found that when i i meet someone who i i like and i feel good resonance with and yeah. like i want to i want this person to continue to be in my life if i'm not reaching out to them it's not happening. Totally. And and it feels, you know, at times I've sort of questioned this or something, you know, is this about me? Is it, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I've usually will eventually when I feel close enough actually have that conversation of like, you know, yeah. am I showing, you know, is this working for you kind of in a, yeah. almost like a, a date kind of way. Totally. Um, but just, and, and when I, notice that I haven't reached out in a really long time, you know, and I haven't heard from them. I'll check in and be like, am I letting, you know, am, are you, am I showing up for you as a friend in the way that you want and need me to be showing up oh, as a so friend? Beautiful. Um, and well, the, uh, thank you. And a, a lot of it's about like a whole guilt trip I go through of like, Oh man, you know, this person just had a baby and I right. haven't been texting them enough or this person's going through that. And I haven't, you know, checked in with them, you know, and, yeah. and, or my brothers, like I have to check in with my brothers. Like, how much do you expect me to call you, bro? Like <laughs> I noticed that it's been six weeks and, you know, I feel guilty, you know, so, mm. but, but like being able to have those conversations and, um, it's vulnerable, it's vulnerable and it, but it's so important. It's the most important. Yeah. Okay. I love the way, first of all, I, know only a handful of men who have a lot of close men friends mm -hmm. it's weird in the society it's different in other cultures i know that but in our culture men really isolate and sort of count on if they're hetero the woman in their life oh, to have their community totally right or if they're my husband they really don't want community because <laughs> they're a total introvert and they want a handful of intimate friends most uh -huh. of whom tend to be women right because i have this lovely tender-hearted man mm as a partner and 
it really is a theme for guys. And I especially want to say this for young men who don't yet trust Uh the other men in their life to hold their vulnerability and hold their tenderness. They probably feel the same way as Mm. you. Yeah. And if you were the one to say, hey, bro, I could use some contact. Let's go whatever arcade whatever it is skateboard right that you would probably be met with a big old sigh of relief and a new friend totally but that first step is super vulnerable and it's being a warrior yeah it's totally just being a warrior taking that step to- and that's right. another like under cultivated quality mm. at least in a healthy way i mean you say warrior and i know what you mean and you know what you mean yeah and, um but just courage and, courage and action and initiative and then it all comes from a place of vulnerability uh-huh. not armoring up right not not putting on your warrior's armor to protect you from the world right but rather taking the armor off your heart mm. and being a warrior that way to go naked into the world because you know you can handle it yeah. because you can feel all the feels and let them yeah. all the feels i'm actually starting in 2020 so it might be 2020 when people start to Listen to this. Right. Uh, a council of fathers. It's a men's group Whoa. for fathers, um, and at least initially we're gonna meet monthly, oh. and it's just gonna be a space for men to share if they want to mm. listen. If you know, and then I think there'll also be some embodied exercises and activities to kind of help us cultivate, you know, that all those things that we need to yeah. be able to be partners and parents um yeah. in a way that is that meets our partners and children and that in the way that they need us to so um, i think we underestimate how much having community within our lives comes back and serves the people uh, we are closest to uh, that if i oh man if my introverted husband and son got <laughs> all of me (laughs) without me having all these amazing outlets of community they would drown in my need for contact Mm. i have so much more need for contact than anyone in my household well yeah and i think going back to the man piece yeah men often expect like their partners to fulfill all of their social needs um and certainly all of their needs around um, emotional intimacy and contact and yeah it's a huge disservice to the partnership um, and mm. it's a huge service to the partnership when mm. there's other outlets for that 100% so you know I actually started a peer group about a year ago because after leaving Hakomi I'd had this group of 25 people where once a month we got together and pig piled and shared mm. and were seen and it was so amazing and afterwards I was so lonely for that so I started a peer group and it's co-ed and it is the deepest group I've ever been in and it's we're family now and mm. we can whatsapp each other whenever we want and there's this group support just to say hey this one you all know this is going on for me or hey how's right. everybody doing like these family check-ins yeah and then we get together once a month or we take a trip or we go on a retreat or right. whatever and it's like having this family that I know I can rely on of my own creation. Mm-hmm. And it's really incredible. And I get that that is a stretch. Mm-hmm. And when I mention that to people, they're like, oh, I could never. Right. I'm like, yes, you can. Uh-huh. All you have to do is text your friends right. and text, say, I want to do yes. this. That's all you have to do. Yes. And I think technology should not be underestimated in Mm-mm. terms of its ability to keep us feeling connected. 100%. Um, okay. 
Okay. Are there any last things that you want to share that you want people to know about that you want to say before we officially Mm. bring this to a close? I want to tell you how good it feels, how nourishing to my system it feels to be on the same wavelength with someone who has also had tremendous health challenges Mm. and used that to serve the world and to feel all your work there and be in presence of that feels good. Feels good. Mm, thank you. Thank you for reflecting that back. Mm-hmm. And um, and thank you yeah. so much for coming and sharing your mm. wisdom and your insight mm. and your joy. Thank you. Um, and thank you all out there listening, whether you're walking or biking or driving or washing dishes or Mm. those are all the things that i'm usually doing (laughs) while i listen to podcasts um and i hope you come back for more listen to some other episodes you can subscribe i mean this is the spiel that everyone always gives at the end so most people i usually stop listening (laughs) um but there is oh this is actually don't stop yet you can get access to hannah's um playlists oh yeah music on spotify um and which is really great she her music has often been an inspiration for rachel and i in creating our mood boost weekly like three song playlist which you can find us on spotify also on heartseat health um there's the podcast you can we have a guide for emotional resilience which can be Mm. a really useful resource on our website i've read it it is so good thank you so right on Thank you. And so uh, it's simple. It's not like, you know, it's accessible. And so um, you can download that for free on our website and uh, feel free to reach out to either of us. Our contact information is going to be in the show notes and um, we'd be delighted to answer any questions or, and please, if you know one person or two people or five people who would enjoy this or benefit from it in any way, please feel free uh, and encouraged to to share and spread the word because that's what it's all about in the end what it's all about okay thank you so much to everyone thank you listeners thank you and we will uh, see you next time break open in order to grow